Hi, this is Rob Reynolds, and you're listening to Education and Technology Futures, a weekly podcast that highlights interesting trends and connections in the worlds of education, technology, and culture. Chapter 1. Lowering the Barriers to Participation I'll admit, it's been decades since I've given much thought to dating, but I was nonetheless intrigued by the Pew Research Center's latest report showing that 30% of U.S. adults have used a dating app. 12% say they've married or entered into a committed relationship using these platforms. This reminded me of another statistic that crossed my desk recently, the fact that Amazon's Prime membership has now crossed $150 million. To my way of thinking, these two phenomena, online dating and online retail and entertainment, have a number of things in common. Both offer a personalized experience that provides suggestions based on the customer's individual preferences. Both types of platforms also give customers the power to filter results and make comparisons as a way to help them find exactly what they're looking for. Even better, both online dating and online retail platforms allow the customer to interact with the platforms whenever and wherever they choose. But I think what really ties all this together, and what will continue to drive the growth of these and other platforms, is simplicity. They make it easy. They make it easy to sign up. They make it easy to figure out how to use the platform. They make it easy to make decisions. They make it easy to give feedback. They make it easy and comfortable for people to get what they want. There are obvious connections to education here particularly in an era where there is increasing competition for students at almost every level. But the biggest takeaway, I think, can be stated in the form of a question. How can I lower the barriers? Talking about the challenges of getting more instructors and institutions to adopt and implement Open Educational Resources, or OER, David Wiley writes, there are some things about working with OER that are just harder or more painful than they need to be. And getting more people actively involved in using OER will require us to reduce or eliminate those points of friction. Yes, reducing the friction. That's also the call in a recent article about serving adult learners. You see, in spite of the fact that there are more than 70 million adults in the U.S. who have only attained a high school degree, the number of adults enrolled in higher ed institutions is actually down from its peak in the 1990s. While there are certainly many contributing factors to this decline, one of them is certainly the fact that we just don't make it as easy as we could. We aren't making it easy enough to sign up. We aren't making it easy enough to use our platforms. We aren't making it easy enough to make decisions and give feedback. And most important, we aren't making it easy enough or comfortable enough for people to get what they want. Chapter 2. A Three-Pronged Strategy for Disruption Well, the big buzz isn't about who won which Oscar award. Instead, people are talking about Samsung's new Galaxy Z flip phone, the one teased in one of the commercials during the Oscar show. Wait a minute. Flip phone? Foldable smartphone? Didn't we already try that once? Sure, 
But that was last year. This year, Samson is rolling out a new design, hopefully with the screen kinks worked out, and looking to disrupt a smartphone market that once defined disruption, but is now the status quo. And speaking of a company looking to disrupt an entrenched market, what do you know about 80 Acres Farms? They're the world's first fully automated indoor farm system, placing 10,000 square feet indoor farms near metropolitan areas and delivering produce within a day of the harvest. Great taste, no pesticides, longer shelf life, and lots of cool robotic technology. 80 Acres Farms was founded by two former food industry execs who realized that three things need to happen in order for any long-lasting, positive change to take place in the industry. They would need to grow things differently, change the existing supply chain and distribution models, and embrace new models of merchandising and marketing. Hmm, wait a minute. Design more efficient and cost-effective models of production? Change and magnify the way you distribute products into a crowded market? And embrace new models of merchandising and marketing? Now, I'm not sure what Samson is thinking about for its new smartphone, but this three-pronged strategy for disruption seems like a good high-level playbook for any organization looking to innovate within a crowded market. Even education, you say? Especially education, I say. And it's already happening. We see parts of this playbook in Southern New Hampshire University's recent partnership agreement with 14 community colleges in Pennsylvania. We see it in online charter schools and micro-schools. We see it in the spread of micro-degrees and credentials. To be clear, we're still in the early stages, but my guess is that by the end of the decade, the vast majority of educational institutions that are thriving will have adopted this three-pronged strategy. Chapter 3, and the future will be mobile. SimilarWeb has a new report out that documents the increased use of mobile devices for interacting via the web. According to the report, mobile web traffic has jumped more than 30% since 2017, while desktop traffic dropped by more than 3%. The report also notes that mobile website visitors behave differently from their desktop web counterparts. For example, mobile users spend less time on the websites. The overall time per visit dropped by 49 seconds from 2017 to 2019. Now, my guess is that anyone who uses a smartphone with any frequency or interacts with others who use smartphones isn't too surprised by this smaller attention span when it comes to surfing the web. In fact, you might argue that the core reality of mobile computing is actually smaller. I'm talking about smaller screens and smaller information blocks, shorter video clips, shorter emails and messages, smaller attention spans. Heck, even with new device designs like the forthcoming Galaxy Z Flip foldable smartphone or Microsoft's Surface Duo with its two screens, we're still talking about a preference for doing most things with one hand. While we walk, while we talk, while we ride, while we work, and while we eat. And whether we like it or not, this fits-in-one-hand form factor has a huge influence on our preferences for usage. In other words, as long as the screens are small, the way we use devices will continue to be small as well. 
I'm thinking this could portend some pretty interesting adjustments in education over the next 10 years, as smartphones likely become the dominant computing device for most students. After all, traditional education is all about big. Big information blocks, big writing assignments, longer video clips, longer communication forms, and yes, longer attention spans. So, how will we translate all of that bigness into a smaller form factor? and to a modified set of behaviors. It's certainly something to think about. But don't wait too long. Businesses and workplaces are already adapting and will be expecting graduating students to show up ready to perform on a smaller stage.